Well, church, this is why we do what we do. It's all about family. A couple of announcements that we're, uh, we're going to give today. Man, the first one is this. They've already mentioned it, but our women's retreat. Ladies, make sure you sign up for that. I don't care if you're type A or not. I know there's some ladies in the room, you're type A. You love being around people. You love being in the room. My wife is not one of those individuals, but she loves going to the women's retreat. So make sure you take time to look to see if your schedule can kind of uh, hold that. Another thing that we want to announce today is, we're, man, we're giving away uh, books to families. There's books kind of scattered throughout the auditorium, one for each family. It's called Brave Parents and Courageous Kids. It's written by our senior uh, pastor, Pastor Doug Witherup. And, and man, there's some, a few elements in, in this book that many of us can learn from. But the four main components is this. There's, there's toxic uh, parenting myths that are floating around in our culture and society uh, that we kind of talk about in this book. And this book also talks about raising kids to love Jesus and teaching them how to be kids and, and to have fun and, and teaching them to be strong and courageous. So that's our gift to you. So make sure you kind of take those uh, one per family. Now, we've been in our home series. And again, we've talked about this idea of being a unified front, that a unified front is a strong front. And we've made this statement saying not on our watch and we're going to be a unified front when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our church, and when it comes to being men. And, and last week, uh, Frank Canador, he's with us today with his family, and he preached a word about the importance of family. If you enjoyed last week's message, can you make some noise uh, for Mr. Frank? Thank you so much for speaking life and, and to our family. Now, now, now Frank, you, you made a comment. You thought I was going to get my GED, not my PhD. So listen, I was just honored that you thought we were going to have the same degree. So, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I love the fact that he was able to speak life in, into our family. And, and he had this kind of deal at the end where he had all these bats and and he picked this bat up and he talked about it being screwed together and, and taped together and, and glued together. And to be honest with you, I'm watching on my phone like tears falling down my face. Like it was just an emotional moment for me. And uh, it made me realize how important me being a dad is and, and me kind of leading my, my household. And, and to be honest with you, um, we put this clip on, on social media. We put it on Instagram and it got nearly 15,000 views uh, and over 600 likes. So Frank, you've officially gone viral and you don't even have a social media. You don't even know what social media is. So you can tell your family that you've officially gone viral. But, but I think the, the reason I share the views and, and the likes isn't because, oh, look at what our church put out. But, but it's this. I say this because the world is screaming that individuals are broken and they're no good. And Jesus is saying that you have a divine design and you were created for a unique purpose. Now, now Mr. C, you, uh, you mentioned uh, that you had to go down to the ball field to buy or to get a baseball bat instead of buying a new one. So I thought I would bring out, I didn't do this in the first service because you weren't here, but this was the last bat that my dad bought me. The last, the last, last bat is a wooden bat. It's not a great bat. It's not a good model at all. But I don't know that if this is true or not, but my dad told me, um, you're going to quickly realize how I was raised, so don't judge me. My dad told me it's not a felony if you hit someone with, an, with a wooden bat, but it is a felony if you hit someone with an aluminum bat. So he, so he got me this bat. And it's been in my truck ever since he gave it to me. So I have, babe, can I give this to you? Please don't use it on anybody. I thought it was just funny. It was in my truck, so I, I went and got it. 
out this morning. But today, man, it's Mother's Day. So before we go any further, man, can we make some noise for all of the moms in the room? One, one guy made a lot of noise. I don't know. There you go. Brian got, some, Brian got some points. Oh, that was Fig. Fig made some noise. There you go. Well, uh, man, to celebrate Mother's Day, uh, we had five, and then we added five more. So there may be like seven or eight, because I know a couple of them were found first service. But there are free manicures under some of your seats. So go ahead and take a look under your seat. There's free manicures for the ladies in the room if you found the gift card I can get everybody to move. I'm just kidding. There's nothing under your seats. No, no, there really, no, there, there really is. There really is. It's, it's underneath your seats. But here's the good news. If you didn't get one of those cards, uh, Miss Renee James, she gave me one of these cards. Miss Renee James is out in the lobby, and she was gracious enough to, uh, to give manicures to the ladies. But for all the ladies in the room, if you go by her little table before you leave, she's got these cards, got a QR code. You get 50% off any manicure that you get from her. So that's just our gift to you today for being here for Mother's Day. Now, listen, I've been reading a lot of articles and and some books kind of prepping for today. And a recent study came out and it says this, that the average stay-at-home mom works 98 hours a week. (laughs) I heard some like, ooh, uh, yeah. (laughs) Some of the the stay-at-home moms are like, say it again so my husband will get it. Right? 98 hours a week. It's 14 hours a day. The study came out and said that their day typically starts around 6.25 a.m. and ends around 8.31 p.m. By the way, there's no overtime pay. There's no back pay. There's no sick days. And and I need to kind of address this. Even if you're a mom in the room and you work part-time or full-time, you come home and care for and nurture your homes like men cannot. One guy got it. Two guys got it. I, I did this during first service. It's like it was crickets during first service. So I'm, I'm trying to throw you guys, so, Darren, I'm giving you a softball. So, all right, so we're going to rein it back in. Um, if you're new here, I'm sorry. We're weird. We like to have fun. This, I say this language all the time. Me preaching isn't a monologue. It's got to be a dialogue. It's got to be back and forth. So, fellas, I know we're slow learners, so we're going to try this again. Even if you're a mom in the room, and you work a full-time or a part-time job, you come home and care for and nurture your home like men cannot. There we go. All right. Dang, that was a whistle back there, boy. I like twitching. I thought my dad was coming to beat me with a belt or something. But ladies, we don't say thank you enough, and and we know that you deserve more than one day. I watched my wife, Jenna, with our girls, and, and the way that she brings grace and calm into a room is second to none. Uh, for, for some of the fellows in the room, there's a song that came out in 2004 that I think that we should all listen to. So I'm a big music guy, so turn your attentions to the screen. Six, nap. 
So for my fellows in the room, now you got a little glimpse of what it's like to be at home all day with the kids. I, I told uh, a buddy of mine during, during first service that I was going to play a song, and he thought that the song that I was going to play was by Tupac talking about his mom. Some of y'all, now, I know who listens to it now. Some Anwar's in the back, like, yeah, that, that was me. I had Pat Morton over at my house uh, this past week. I was grilling out, and uh, he, he was like, hey, how, how can I help? I was like, can you just watch the girls while Jenna's cutting the vegetables and, and while I'm grilling? And I turn around, I kid you not, five seconds later, I turn around. Piper, my oldest, my five-year-old, she's screaming bloody murder like she had fallen off the trampoline. My two-year-old, Harlow, was running around half naked, and I turn around, and Pat's holding his jaw because my golden doodle jumped, my golden doodle puppy, jumped on the trampoline and hit him in the face. And I I just looked at him and laughed. I said, buddy, you ready to have a dog and some kids? He goes, no, I'm exhausted. I said, Pat, it's been 20 minutes. And then it made me quickly realize, like, I, or my wife comes home, I've been watching the girls by myself, and I'm like, wa- wa- rocking back and forth. I'm like, babe, where you been? She's like, it's only been two hours. So again, mom's in the room, we want to honor you today, but, but I also have to acknowledge uh, someone else or other people in the room, because I know today is a, a day of mourning uh, for some families. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge those who have lost their moms in, in this past year, and and if I could kind of encourage you and say to you that your church family is, is mourning with you, we're, we're hurting with you, but we're also celebrating with you. We're celebrating the legacy that was left behind uh, in the loved ones that were left. And I also want to be conscious to those in the room who have been trying to expand their family. For some of the families, you don't have answers. For others, you've been having miscarriages. And, and I think as, as a church, we have to um, we have to be willing to lean into to hard conversations and, and vulnerable conversations. And, and we say it like this at our church. We want to have appropriate vulnerability. And I mentioned this about a month ago that in the beginning of, beginning of April, uh, my wife, Jenna, had her second miscarriage. And, and it hurts. I mean, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. And, and fellas, I know, I know it hurts us, but I cannot begin to comprehend or imagine the pain that that women uh, walk around who have miscarriages or the pain of wanting to become a mom. And, and again, I want you to know that, that as your church and, and as this community, uh, that we're willing and wanting to be there with you, to walk with you through the hard seasons of life. Uh, without, without our church family and the seasons that we've walked through, babe, I don't know how we, <laughs> we would have made it. Uh, so thank you for your prayers and know that if you're dealing with those situations, we're praying with you. And for you, because again, we know that a unified front is a strong front. And regardless of what life throws at us, that we're going to rejoice together, uh, we're going to mourn together, and everything in between. Now, fellas, I know today is Mother's Day, and I'm going to be talking directly to the ladies a lot, but you can't tune me out because there's principles that we'll talk about today that you'll be able to apply to your life as well. Today we'll be in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and, and we actually see the pain confusion and doubt and hope in this moment in scripture. Let me give you a little context for today at the beginning when we read 1 Samuel chapter 1 we see some family lineage and we see some heritage and ultimately it's pointing us to the marriage between Elkanah and Hannah and for the next several verses we see the pain and the agony that Hannah's experiencing because she's not able to have a child. 
when we read Scripture, we can't rush past these moments. We can't gloss over these stories. Scripture tells us that Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, 7, and 8. And we see Hannah crying out to the Lord. She's getting on her face before God. And Elkanah, the best way he knows how, tries to console his wife. And like many men, uh, many men, many, many, no, nobody, sorry, uh, I don't know where that came from, Gary. It just came. I guess because I was thinking about Tupac. I don't, don't judge me, Stacy. You're laughing louder than anybody. But Elkanah, like many men, he, he puts his foot in his mouth and he says this. He says, don't I mean more than you than ten sons? And, and as guys, we have good intentions, but, but if we're honest with ourselves, we often say the wrong things. Now, <laughs> there's somebody else trying to get brownie points. This past, this past Wednesday... I was talking to Manny, and I was like, bud, this is a hard sermon to write right now because me and my wife have been in an argument for about two days, <laughs> and, and, and I had to swallow my pride, and I had to say three words that are often forgotten by guys. It's not, I love you, all right? It's, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, all right? And I had to say those three words. So ladies, on behalf of every man in the room, we're trying, but we're, so, we're sorry. We're sorry we put our foot in our mouth sometimes. Again, Elkanah was trying, but he had a big mouth. If you fast forward a few verses, we see Hannah praying, and it was this ugly prayer, like tears falling down. She's on her face before the Lord. And, and what we see is this, verse 13 says, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. She was in so much anguish, so much pain, the priest that was there, his name was Eli, and he looks down at her, and he, he thinks that she's drunk. And he's like, hey, it's too early in the morning for you to be drunk. You should probably go back home. And, and she looks at him and says, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring my heart out before the Lord. I just, I just want to have a kid. I just want to have a son. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me. I have all this pain. I have all of this doubt. I have all of this fear. I don't know what's going on inside of me. I just, I just want to have a son. What I've realized is this. Regardless of what life throws at you, we have to realize a few things. And the first thing that we have to realize is this. Don't stop worshiping. Don't stop worshiping. Verse 19 goes on to say, Early the next morning they arose and worshiped before the Lord. If I could remind everyone in the room that your worship matters, your praise matters. The way that we worship God ultimately sets up the trajectory of our life. We have the option to either give up or to keep worshiping. For those of you who know me, when I, when I step into something, I, I tend to go full bore. I tend to go all in. And, and I was looking at something to challenge myself this year. And so I thought it would be smart to sign up for a triathlon. And then I started looking at the different levels of them, and I was like, oh, a sprint's too easy, Olympic, what's that, a half, why would I do half, why don't I just do a full? So I decided to do a full Ironman. What is an Ironman? I'm glad you asked. It is a 2.2 mile, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, and then a 26.2 mile run. By the way, that's all consecutive in the same day, there's a time cap, and you can't break it up over the course of a week. I don't know if you've seen me or not, but I'm not built for any of those things. Uh, thank you for laughing. I'm not built to swim. I'm not built to bike. I'm not built to run. I get in the water. I'm 5'9". I'm built like a block, and I sink. I'm literally swimming, and I'm thinking, I just want to stop. 
I'm on my bike. I'm 25, 30 miles in, and I'm thinking to myself, I just want to stop. I'm going on these long runs, and I start to shuffle, and I'm thinking, dear God, if you want to take me now, I'll be okay with that. But I'm not built for that, but I have an option. I can either keep going. I can get a little uncomfortable. I can have some some giddy-up in me. Put that on a shirt, right? But I can keep going, or I can give up. And if I, could remind, if I could remind you today of anything, that our praise matters, our worship matters, it will allow us to keep moving forward even when we want to give up. Again, verse 19, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord. Listen, when life seems hopeless, worship before the Lord. When all seems lost, worship before the Lord. When your kids are driving you crazy, worship before the Lord. When you feel like your marriage is on the rocks, worship before the Lord. Why? Because your worship matters. I'm going to ask Miss Autumn Moyer to join me on stage. Y'all make some noise for Autumn one time as she comes up. I said this to you first service, so I'll say it collectively to you because her husband, John's sitting over here. And, and uh, if you guys don't know John and Autumn, they are a phenomenal couple. They both run their, their separate businesses. Um, John's probably the best golfer in the church. Uh, and in, I'll let anyone challenge him. My money's on I don't bet, but my money's on John. And then Autumn is probably the best pickleball player in the church. Gary, you were supposed to be there. Da-dum-tsh. Now, Autumn's a, a great pickleball player. It was funny first service because there were other pickleball players in here. I don't know where everybody else went. Uh, but it has been an honor and a privilege to watch Autumn and John raise their kids, to have their businesses, to always be there for one another. And I know that each marriage has like its hard, hard times, but, but man, you guys lead with such grace and poise, and, and you guys make me better parents, you make me a better dad, and, and it's fun to hang out with, with you and, and to watch you raise your kids. I'm excited for you to bring the word this morning with me, so y'all make some noise one more time for Miss Autumn. Thank you, Pastor Zach. It's actually big of him to say that I'm the best pickleball player in church because we play singles quite often, and I think I'm one up on him right now. It's not true. Time out. That's not true. I won the last one. The last game is the one that matters most. We digress. Keep going. All right, so let's pick back up in 1 Samuel 119. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. I think this is literally the only Bible verse that Pastor Zach could find that had both worship and sex mentioned in the same verse. And he decided to assign it to me on my first sermon here up on stage. But now that I have your attention, I want to talk about something that's more mind-blowing than both worship or sex. And it's this. The Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered her. See, the word remembered in the English language is a little bit tricky. It often implies that we have first forgotten something in order to remember. So as an example, if I sent my lovely husband to the grocery store to get four specific items, but he returned only with three, which never happens, women, am I right? Never happens. But he returns with three, I would ask, where's that fourth item? A likely response from him would be, I completely forgot. I'm so sorry. I just now remembered. Well, in the Hebrew, when we talk about the Lord remembering Hannah, it's not that the Lord had forgotten Hannah. 
No, I mean, could you imagine God up in heaven saying, oh, Hannah, yeah, you, you down there. Man, I completely forgot. I closed your womb up. I forgot about you. No, the word remembered in Hebrew is not a passive word. It's, it's an action word. It, it's, it's a verb. It means that the Lord was thinking about Hannah again, that Hannah was in the forefront of God's mind. And we see this concept throughout scripture. In Jeremiah 31, 34, and Hebrews 8, 12, God says about Israel, I will remember their sins no more. See, it's not that God forgets our sins. No, God is a holy God. God doesn't forget sins that are committed. God just chooses not to remember them. He chooses not to hold it against us. And did you know, all throughout scripture, God talks about remembering his people. We see in Genesis 8-1 that God remembered Noah and the animals. We see in Genesis 19-29, God remembered Abraham. We see in Genesis 30-20-22, God remembered Rachel. And then in Genesis 39-21, God remembered Joseph even while he was in prison. So yes, today in 1 Samuel 1-19, we're talking about Hannah and the fact that God remembered Hannah. But here's what I want you all to understand is that God remembers his people. God remembers you. Now, before we move on to verse 20, there are a couple of aspects that I've kind of glossed over when it came to verse 19 that I want to touch on. And Pastor Zach did a phenomenal job about the first one. It says, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Listen, Hannah worshiped. They worshiped. Think about the level of faith that had to take for Hannah. Hannah was barren. She was begging for years to have a child. Yet, she worshipped. Hannah was bullied by her rival because she didn't have any children. Yet, she worshipped. Hannah was angry and disappointed with God because he had closed her womb. Yet, she worshipped. Hannah worshipped, even when she didn't feel like it. Hannah worshipped in the, in the midst of her circumstance. And I try to put myself in Hannah's shoes for a moment, thinking about a time when maybe I was angry with God because I had been praying earnestly for something to happen and it wasn't happening. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if in that moment of being angry and disappointed with God, would I have been so inclined to worship like Hannah was worshiping? If I'm honest, I don't know. Would you? The second thing I've glossed over in verse 19, which I don't think you would blame me for. Let's read it. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. I mean, their sex life was literally written in the Bible. So how do I put this tactfully? Hannah got busy. Hannah played a role. Hannah made herself available. However you want to put it, the point is Hannah worshiped, asking God to do his part, but then she did her part. They did their part. I mean, we all know how babies are made in here, right? We don't have to have that conversation. Something has to happen. They had to take action. Their intimacy was their act of faith. And oftentimes, I feel when we relate to Hannah in this story, we are praying for something so bad. We might have been praying for weeks or months 
or years or maybe even decades for something. And we find ourselves wondering if our prayers are hitting deaf ears. Let me tell you something. No, it's not that our prayers are hitting deaf ears. God hears your prayers and God sees your heart. But sometimes God might be waiting on us to take action and for us to do our part. So what can we learn from this story? Well, I think it shows us that faithfulness produces fruit. We see in the next verse, 1 Samuel 1.20, it says, So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave, a, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. It says here, in the course of time. Now, this is very important because I think we can all agree it takes time to do great works. Did you all know that it took nine years, nine years to build the Statue of Liberty? Some of us complain when our house isn't finished in a year or two. It took nine years to build that great piece of art. It took 14 years to create Mount Rushmore. It took 199 years to build the Tower of Pisa, and it's still leaning. It took 2,300 years to build the Great Wall of China. So is there something that you're waiting on God to do? Is there a great work that you've been praying in your life? I know that it's Mother's Day, and I know there's probably some women in this room who find themselves in the same shoes as Hannah, longing to be a mom. And it's been years of praying. Well, what about that dream job? Maybe it just became available, and you're wondering, God, why? Why isn't it mine yet? Do you know why this, do you know how this would bless my family? Or maybe you're in the room and you're just longing for a meaningful relationship. Here's what I want us all to understand. God hears your prayers. God sees your heart. God also expects us to take action. And in his timing, his perfect timing, he will answer your prayers. And so I want to close with this scripture verse. It's an encouragement straight from scripture, and I absolutely love it. It's Isaiah 60, 20, 22 in the message translation. I am God. At the right time, I'll make it happen. That's so good, Autumn. Y'all make some noise one more time for Miss Autumn. And I could, if I could leave you with, with one final thought. Whatever life gives, give it back to God. Whatever life gives, give it back to God. We have to continue to read the story. We can't just stop in the middle of Scripture. So verse 24, she took the boy with her, young as he was, and brought him to the house of the Lord. Verse 26, pardon, pardon me. Par pardon me, my Lord. So in this moment, Hannah went back to the very spot where she was praying. Remember, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, she was praying. The prophet thought that she was drunk. Went right back to the very spot. Talked to the same guy. Pardon me, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. And I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. This is why we give our kids and our families to God. We have to trust God's perfect timing. We have to trust God with our families. We have to trust God with our questions. We have to trust God with our, our doubts. We have to trust God with our hardships. We have to trust God with our failures and our fears. 
We have to trust God with our future. We also have to trust God with our dreams and our desires. Can I encourage someone today to keep worshiping? Regardless of what life throws at you, regardless of the cards that you're dealt, keep worshiping because God remembers his people and God will ultimately remember you. And as Autumn taught us that faithfulness produces fruit, God's just calling us to be faithful. God's calling us to be obedient. God's calling us to follow after him step by step. Not to be perfect, but to be faithful and to be obedient. And if I could tell somebody in the room today to not give up, even if you're in the midst of hardship, even if you're in the midst of struggle, even if you're in the midst of confusion, even if you're in the midst of not fully understanding the season that you're in, don't give up. You're not soft. As Christ followers, you've heard me say this before, but Christ followers are just becoming too soft. They just yield to culture. They yield to society. If someone barks at me loud enough, then they go cower in a corner. That's not what we were created for. That's not who God intended us to be. So if I could encourage you to not give up, to keep pushing, to not give in. And ultimately, whatever life gives give it back to God. Now, each week when I'm, I'm kind of getting ready for the services, when I'm writing my sermons, I always, Judah creates a playlist, and I always kind of listen to it throughout the week, and I, and I always listen to it coming in on Sunday morning. And uh, this, this past Sunday was a, a little unique. Now, I'm going to do something that we did with the men. I know there's a lot of ladies in the room. I know there's not a ton of space up here, but I'm going to ask every lady uh, to come to the front. And you can kind of make your way over here and kind of funnel in all around. And there's a reason that I'm doing this. So I'm driving in this morning and, and I'm listening to uh, I'm listening to the worship songs and I'm praising. I'm getting after it. Windows are rolled down. It felt nice outside. I'm, I sing off key uh, very poorly. So actually, I sing off key really good. I sing very poorly. But as I was coming in, I had this thought kind of come across uh, my head. Y'all can kind of keep squeezing in. And in, in our culture, we have this saying, and you can probably finish it, but hell hath no fury like a woman's scorn. And that's like, that's a line that I just remember people saying growing up. But if I'm honest with you, I think it's a lie. Because hell hath no fury like a woman's prayers. Hell hath no fury like a woman's praise. I am where I am today because of women who stood in the gap and prayed for me. If I'm completely honest with you and open and vulnerable, I didn't have men present in my life, but I had a praying mama. And my mama wasn't perfect. And she had her own uh, shortcomings. And she would go in and she would wait tables and she would make a couple bucks a day and she would put food on the table the best that she could, but she would pray over us the very best that she knew how. She has her own demons that she's working with, but, but I know she's praying. I know my grandmothers prayed for me. I know Miss Emily Wireman prayed for me. I know my mother-in-law is watching online right now, and she's a praying woman. We're going on vacation at the uh, next week sometime, and, and she prayed over us yesterday. And I just remember standing there yesterday and and feeling grateful for women in my life who have prayed over me. I would not be standing here today without women praying 
for me. Hell hath no fury like a woman's prayers. So just like we did with the men when they came up, and I'm going to challenge each and every woman up here to pray in this moment, to worship in this moment. Because what I know is this, when you begin to pray, when you begin to praise, your family lineage changes. When you begin to worship and when you begin to pray, there are chains that begin to fall. When you begin to worship and when you begin to pray, you push back darkness and you continue to expand the kingdom of God. So can we for a moment step back in and worship?